Hope you're all doing well today. So nice to be here with uh, Deacon Moise and Lynn and Jackie and Rick and Mr. Brown and Ms. Louisa, who's helping us with our filming. And also to be with you all online and uh, hope this was a, a decent week for you. And I know sometimes it's challenging. I know for me, uh, I figured as long as I'm going to be holed up, I just talk to my friends on the phone. Luckily, I do come into work where there's some, we have a really nice staff and I see them. But I thought, I'm going to get, I'm going to exercise. So I have been exercising like every other day, at least walking a half hour. But years ago, I was really in shape. I was a long distance runner. Everyone's going, what? Um, I was a cross-country runner, and even when I was a seminarian, I would run six miles a day. So I was uh, going up to where I was 27 years ago during a, a year and, and three months. I was at this one parish in formation, and I was already, I'd driven 45 minutes up there, and I was ready. I said, I'm going to walk for two hours. And then I'm literally like 20 steps into it, I got an emergency call, a sick call. So I'm going to have to, I might go up tonight. I'm going to see if I'm inspired or not to walk my old route I used to run. But anyways, besides that, just hope you're doing okay, because I know this is a, a challenging time. But I was thinking this weekend, we're having a second mass Sunday night. It's like a youth mass. And I, so I started to think about how do I reach people? You know, a, you know, a preacher, it's their job to share the faith in a way that engages people. But the problem is that everybody's different. So everybody engages differently. So I was preparing for this mass for youth. I'm saying youth and young adults. We have a young adults reading and things like that. And I thought back when I first had my first parish assignment in Virginia Beach, it was 1991. I just finished a year in seminary. I was 28 years old. And you know what? At that time, I knew all the music. I could talk to the kids about any kind of music that was going on back then. I was very much an aficionado, eclectic. Any kind of music, I could name it. Well, it seems like about the time I was ordained, that's when I stopped following the newer music. So I tell you, I was looking, I, I said to myself, I'm going to look at the uh, Billboard Top 100 on the internet, but they have a lot, you have to pay to do that. So I got onto the Rolling Stone site. Of the top 100 songs in the U.S. right now, I did not recognize one song. And the only artists I recognized were country music uh, breakout, like Blake Shelton. That was the only artists I recognized were the country music singers. And I have eclectic taste. I like all kinds of music. But I thought to myself, it really drove it home. I am not 28 anymore and certainly not hip. <laughs> I used to know everything about sports. I used to win football pools among hundreds of people with college football because I knew everything going on with the sports. And I don't follow hardly anything anymore. I'm just a boring old priest. I'm a boring old priest. So I found myself wishing for a while that I wished I was ultra cool to impress everyone, that cool people do get religious and cool people do get involved in church. But no, you know, the only thing I can offer you, whether you're a youth or a young adult, or any age. The only thing I can offer you is that I care about your having the gift of faith in your life too, because I really do. That's why I'm holed up in this little house in Davidsonville, living alone, 
all by myself during this quarantine except to go to work because I care about your having faith. That's why I've been working as a priest for 24 years as of May 25th. Because I can't, I can't think of anything more important than for you to get to know Jesus and the church and to let that guide your life and give it meaning. And if I can help you avoid pitfalls in the spiritual life or in handling being Catholic, I'll keep doing it another 24 years, God, God willing, because it matters to me. It's helped me, and I hope that it can help you in your life too. And that made me think of a big news story that came out about a month ago. On March 19th, a fellow named Cyrus Habib, who is, right still, currently the lieutenant governor of the state of Washington, had a press conference to announce that he was going into seminary. Habib is 38 years old. His family is from Iran. When he was attending Oxford, uh, so he's pretty smart, he became a Christian, became a Catholic at that time. He had a lot of tough, time when, tough, tough, tough times when he was a kid. He had three bouts with cancer, and one of the surgeries left him completely blind since he was a child. And so they were interviewing him about wanting to become a priest. And he says, this is why he said he wants to become a priest. And he prefaced it by saying, I feel like in my political life I've tried to always uh, think of those who were vulnerable. But he says, quote, I knew from childhood what it was like to be excluded because I was the blind kid and because my family was from Iran. And so I have always tried through my life to make sure no one is left behind, no one is left out. And he goes, he again went on a bit about how he tried to do that as a political figure. But he added, I have decided to dedicate my life to help others in a more direct and personal way as a priest, to reach out and serve those in need to heal those who suffer from spiritual wounds and accompany people. He adds, I know that in this time in our country, many Americans are longing for an encounter with, with faith, with the transcendent, with joy, with love. And I would add, even if they don't know it, they're longing for it. So the lieutenant governor of the state of Washington, a state of eight million people, is walking away from his job to be a priest. And so today when I hear Jesus say he is the good shepherd, maybe it makes us a little curious why a guy would walk away from a big important job like that to be a priest. Somehow he heard the voice of the shepherd in his life and knew it helped him. Now he's going to give everything up to help other people find the good shepherd in their lives. So maybe that makes us a little bit curious. But the second thing we can do once we're curious, hey, what is this about Jesus and the church? I'd say if we want to get started to hearing the voice of the good shepherd in our lives, let's look around our life and see which people seem to be listening to the voice of the Good Shepherd and how they seem to be different. For me, the example I remember was my grandma, Miss Lena Maxey. They had a, she was originally from Texas, but they had a farm in Arkansas when I was growing up. 
and she sent me letters and stamps because I collected stamps. And in the summers, I'd go out to their farm and usually help fix fences and things like that. But she was always very kind. They're not Catholic. She's very devout, though. Very kind and very simple in showing me that she knew the voice of the Good Shepherd. So that when I was a goofy uh, young person and maybe getting in trouble, I got in trouble a bit when I was mostly in middle school and also ninth grade, there was Grandma Maxie in the summers talking about the beauty of the birds and simple things. And, you know, it just seemed so much nicer than the crazy world I was in sometimes where people were, there's a lot of drama and people fighting and people wanting to steal things and things like that. She was very devout, but always in a way that uh, was just very, very wholesome, very, very loving. For her, she'd just talk about how she loved her family and she loved the animals she saw in the woods and around her farm. When I entered seminary, Catholic seminary, she, again, she wasn't Catholic, but she sent me about five Bibles in the first year I was in seminary. Maybe they thought the Catholics didn't have them. <laughs> but anyways, I fell in love with the Jerusalem Bible through her. She died in 1991. I was only in seminary about a year and a half when she passed. But all through my early life, she was different. She was good and holy and kind and always, always reaching out to her grandkids uh, with love. And later I realized she was in touch with the Good Shepherd. So maybe for you too, maybe there's a classmate at school or someone at work or a relative or a friend who's just different. I remember in high school there was Johnny Armstrong who was Baptist. He was at Chantilly High School and he was always an encourager always encouraging other people. And I knew after a while that he went to church often as a regular, per, regular uh, church person. And that also impressed me. Well, why was this guy so different? And I began to realize it was because he knew the Good Shepherd. So I think number one, if we're curious why the Lieutenant Governor of Washington would walk away from his job to be a priest, and we want to hear the Good Shepherd's voice in our own lives, let's look around for those people around us who seem different in a good way, that they're in touch with the Good Shepherd. And that just shows us that it is possible to live a different kind of life than just going crazy and uh, whatever the world does, which the world's always going, running around in circles, don't you notice? Don't you get tired of all that? I know I do. I mean, as I get older, I just want to be that person who was in touch with the Good Shepherd and to have meaning and peace in my life. So for all of us, let's begin today by realizing the Lord is right by our side, even if we're in quarantine, even if this is all online. Let's remember that people are truly changed by knowing the Good Shepherd. And then what do we do to work on that hearing the voice of the shepherd? Let's just look at what Jesus told us. He always read scripture. He was in the Jewish community, but he always read scripture. So let's read the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read scripture to get to know the voice of the Good Shepherd, St. Jerome, a uh, Catholic saint from the fourth century said, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. You want to get to know the good shepherd, start reading the four gospels. Jesus prayed 
and encouraged his disciples to pray. He spent 40 days in the desert right before he started his ministry. He stayed up all night praying the night before he chose his apostles. So he shows us we need to pray. Let's pray every day, at least 15 minutes each day. We can read about the saints, kind of like thinking about my grandma Maxie or Johnny Armstrong in high school or the people you know. We have these examples of saints, people who were different because they knew the Good Shepherd. Let's read about them in order to figure out how to follow the Good Shepherd in our lives. And let's remember Jesus said to help others in need and to love our neighbor as ourself. And let's remember that on the night before he died, he gave us the Lord's Supper, the Mass. And that was the one thing he asked his disciples to do together when they prayed. So all these things, pretty simple recipe. But let's remember, why would the lieutenant governor of Washington walk away from that job to be a priest? Because the Good Shepherd helped him, a young person who was blind from another country, felt isolated. He found Jesus and, and the church. He wants to share that with others. That's why I do it. How is it it made my grandmother Maxie a source of love and peace to all around her? She knew the Good Shepherd. So be curious about how this could change your life, too. Read the four Gospels, pray 15 minutes a day, go to Mass, love others as yourself, and try to help those who are vulnerable or in need.